I'm going to stick with the Tim Grover vibe this week again with a quote from winning. This is actually going to be the book that we discuss in our book club late August. If you want to be involved, DM us on Instagram. Without losing, winning can exist because if someone is going to win, that usually means someone else has to lose. The energy it takes to lose your mind over a loss is energy that you need to redirect into winning. You don't have to like it, but you have to face it. It is a necessary evil, and it is a reality of competition. The way you manage losing says everything about how you'll manage winning. Your job is to minimize the downside when you lose, and then do everything possible to recover as quickly as possible after a loss. Understand that losing is a part of it. Sulk on that for a second, and enjoy the interview. We have here Kizzy Parks in our little Zencaster studio here. She's the founder of K Parks Consulting, also known as KPC, one of the fastest growing privately owned companies in America. She was awarded the Enterprising Woman of the Year Award. So many awesome things to talk about in this interview. Kizzy, thanks so much for coming on. Well, thank you so much for having me. Uh, anytime. I, you know, I really appreciate the energy that you brought. You know, we, we were chatting in the room just very briefly. So, so much energy brought, and I'm really excited for this one. Well, it's the only way I come. I have lots of energy. <laughs> That's awesome. So, so why don't you get started by telling us a little bit about who you are, you know, maybe your early life and how you got to where you are today. Yeah. So, you know, early on when you know, I got to take a step back and go to uh, my childhood that I was always very, very curious. And I also knew I was going to be like an entrepreneur. So when I was like in elementary school, we lived in Danville, Illinois, and I would find these golf balls that were in the back alley of my friend's house, take them home, clean them, and resell the good ones through the holes of the fence to golfers to buy Funyuns and Nutty Bars with. And my parents encouraged this. And I also always knew I was going to earn an advanced degree in psychology uh, never did I think the two of those things would come together and I would become an entrepreneur directly out of graduate school. But that's kind of my uh, my early career and my just the path that I took to to kind of get to where I am today. So talk about K Parks Consulting now. What is what does that look like? It, it's one of the fastest growing privately owned companies in America. So talk to our guests and our listeners about that. Yeah. So. When I was in graduate school, literally the last month of graduate school, I received the opportunity to subcontract to the federal government. And I didn't know what that was. And I was like, oh, okay, that sounds great. And a few months later, K Parks Consulting was born. And since then, we've been awarded over $50 million in government contracts. And we provide training and curriculum development staffing, IT, and other professional services like religious services, exercise physiologists, and others to the federal government all across the world. So for someone who is not proficient in anything that you just kind of said, can you dumb it down for us just a little bit and you know, give us an example of exactly what you would do for a client? Yeah, definitely. So here's a, here's a great example. So, you know, most, many companies, right, they hire us because they need something done. And with the federal government, they're, they're no different. So they have 
they have training, right? We've all received some kind of training. And often you're like, oh my gosh, this training's old, it's boring, it's not as exciting as YouTube or you know, Udemy or wherever you like to go, and you're just frustrated and annoyed. So <laughs> the federal government's the same, right? So they want to make sure that the training that they provide to federal employees is it's like powerful and engaging and incorporates 360 video and all kinds of really cool things that are out there. So we provide the people to create the curriculum, to film the 360 video, to facilitate the content because the federal government, you know, often they don't really have the resources to do that. No different than a a private client who may hire someone to provide a leadership course or something of that nature. The only difference is in the federal government, we provide training on all different kinds of topics. A lot of them are around food safety, uh, leadership, and they vary too in length from an hour to four weeks. Um, so that's a bu- the bulk of what we do is just bare bones, curriculum development, training, um, and and our team is like integrated in with the federal government. So um, one last example, it's very similar to if you ever have to call, which I hope you don't, but if you ever have to call like the IRS and you're talking to someone on the phone and we all make that assumption that they work for the IRS, but they may not. They may work for a government contractor like my firm um, because the federal government needs People, they're the biggest purchaser. They spend over 500, um, I think $500 million, may even be billion a year um, on products and services. And so different government agencies provide staffing to really support the current government employees. Wow. Very so hopefully that's helpful. No, no, definitely. I appreciate you, you know, diving a little bit deeper into it. What does your team look like? How, how big is it? There's over 50 team members uh, located throughout the United States. I anticipate I would really like to add um, another 100 in the next couple of years. Um, but yeah, there's 50 and they work on a wide variety of, of different efforts, uh, primarily for the federal government. Interesting. All right, cool. So now talk us through the logistics side of things in terms of you get this big federal government grant, you know, how much money has to get allocated to actually producing the things? How do you guys make profit? How do you pay your employees? Things like that. No, these are great questions because often in the federal space, people see and hear these numbers and it's like, or if maybe you watched, um, war dogs, I'm not Mm -hmm. sure, (laughs) you know, it's very similar in many ways to war dogs. So you get a contract And once you receive the contract, you already know what you told them you would charge, right? You already know this going in. So the thing that's really interesting with the federal government is just because you get the contract doesn't mean they want to execute the work. So here's what I mean. Someone may get a contract for 20 admin, right? So you're like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. 20 admin, that probably would be maybe a $4 million contract over five years. You're super excited. You're bragging to all your friends. You have ongoing revenue for at least five years. But then 
when you have your kickoff, because that's usually in the next step after you sign the contract is you have a kickoff, you find out that, you know what, uh, we don't really need 20. We have 20, but we only need 15. And so that's when you really start to learn what they really need and what they really want. And the opposite could hold true too. They could say, you know what, we awarded you 20, but in reality, we need 40. So during that kickoff, when you get this a sizable contract, you really learn what do they need, what's the situation, as well as you get to meet the people. So in the federal government, what's kind of fascinating is you can literally literally go from being a solopreneur to having billable, not because you have a tech company and you're building out developers, but you literally go from zero to 50 billable people overnight. So then you also learn the names of your new team members and employees and potential contractors during this kickoff meeting, which is fascinating. And we call it inheriting. If you win a contract that has people already on it, it's called you inherit those people. And then you have to reach out to them and bring them on your team and go through all of those steps involved in onboarding. Well, we mean, take a step back and, you know, you're going to interview them. What are you going to do for that situation? Onboarding. So before we even get to what are we really doing for the client, you have to unpack what it is you really won. And mm-hmm. that's where a lot of people stumble in this space. Yeah, so it seems like there's a whole ton of moving parts within it all. You know, how long is that on average, that process, you know, from onboarding people to actually executing the contract? You know, it ranges from, okay, for us, I mean, I we're, we're amazing at this. So for us, it takes maybe a, a week or two on our end. It may, it may take that amount of time, but um, typically it's anywhere from 30 to 60 days. And the only reason it's 30 to 60 days is because for some of these opportunities, if you win in a contract with a hundred people, that's a lot of people. You have to now rebadge, is what they call it, from the um, old contractor, and then you have to rebadge them over to you. So it could potentially take a lot of time, or if the people that you bring on board all of a sudden you find out that they no longer want to work there or now they're demanding more money. You know, it's it's really where you find out all of these things that are going on with the effort. And um, that's why sometimes it can take 30 to 60 days. What does the, what, I know we've, we've kind of brushed over this a little bit. What's the competition out there look like for you guys in, you know, bidding, in bidding for these contracts? It's a great question. There is a lot of competition out there um, because people, so because the federal government buys everything, they buy kosher potato chips, they buy scopes to control the hog population, they buy admin, they buy firefighters, they buy equipment, they pay for cybersecurity, they pay for spiritual workshops. Because of that, all size companies from those that you would recognize their name to smaller firms like mine were often really interested in the same kind of work because the federal government provides you a contract for five years 
often. So as a result of that, the competition can be very, very competitive. There can be, you know, 10 to 20 firms that you're competing with on one opportunity. But then at the same time, there are situations where there may only be one or two. Like for instance, we bid on religious work. Uh, We have a Catholic um, parish team member in Hawaii, for instance. And often there's only a handful of people that will bid on that kind of work because it's small, it's not sexy, nobody's bragging about having religious positions for the federal government. And so you don't have as much competition. But for the bigger efforts, meaning you know $5 million or above, you have all size firms. So therefore, it's definitely more competitive. And then lastly, because of everything that's gone on with COVID, many firms have entered the government space because they believe that's their pot of gold to um, either growing their business or keeping their business afloat. What does what does this competition look like? Is it all based on price versus value? And and what is that? What does the actual competition look like? How do you compete? And how do you differentiate yourselves from the competition? You know the way that you do so. It's it's very intriguing in this space because. There are times where a person, a solopreneur or a firm is just really integrated with an agency. So just for whatever reason, maybe they just trust them, they like them, they know that they're going to go with fill in the blank agency every time, whether or not they should or shouldn't, or it doesn't matter. Chances are they're going to go with that organization. Then, so those are opportunities that we don't really go after and we can usually figure out those type of opportunities by going through the different statements of work and proposals that are out there. So how we set ourselves apart is the majority of our, the work we've received, we've received through contacting the end client. So we, my team makes phone calls, introduces us to an agency. We have what's called a capability brief And I really hone in on our past performance. I hone in on what we do for our clients, staying late at night, going above and beyond, making their lives easier, not being a pain, being very respectful of the fact that it's taxpayer dollars, that we have all this intellectual property and knowledge because many team members have advanced degrees. I talk about the different technologies that we incorporate. So that really helps us because what typically will happen in this space is you'll a company will win work and they think like that's it. And so the client relations isn't there, the entrepreneurial part isn't there, uh even following up with their employees, none of that's there. And so then the government gets upset and then they wonder why are we working with a small business? Why don't we just work with a DynCorp or a Deloitte or an IBM or Lockheed Martin. Sure, Why do we sure. have to work with a small company? Yeah. Makes sense. What? How many contracts are you able to juggle at once and where do you see that number going over time? You know, we, I hone in on profitable contracts. So we juggle around 10. Um, I have a colleague who I think he probably has closer to like 60. Um, we definitely can juggle a hundred different contracts. 
However, what's very important is, is the opportunity profitable. Because mm-hmm. many of the opportunities in the federal government are what's called lowest cost, technically acceptable. Like for instance, I saw one today for uh, transportation services. It was transporting something, um, you know, across state lines. And they said it's lowest cost, technically acceptable. And so um, we don't really bid on that type of work. And because we have an amazing process and procedure in place because we're ISO certified. So managing the contracts are easy as well as managing the clients. What's challenging is putting in all that time and effort. It's like, exercising and dieting. Like when you, if you first start doing it, you're like really excited. And then a week goes by and you weigh yourself and you're like, oh my gosh, I lost like nothing. (laughs) And so that's like how it can be with the federal government. You're like, oh my gosh, I put in all this work and I won. And it's like, and I'm making maybe nothing, you know? So um, that's why we don't have a hundred different contracts. So what other metrics do you use to determine if it's going to be profitable before you bid for the contract? Um, one of the metrics is I look at what's called the um, the evaluation criteria. So inside of this statement of work, they'll put in there, like, we will evaluate this based on resumes. We'll evaluate this based on past performance. So I look to see what are they evaluating it on? Because clearly, if they evaluate it on price, we're going to move on to the next one. The other thing I look at is what what does the work entail? So for instance, for a lot of our work, it's considered full-time equivalent on site. So these are team members who work 40 hours a week for a said agency and they're blending in with the government agency. Well, that kind of work, I have to pay more because I have to pay benefits I have a a person full time in comparison to if the work is, hey, you can complete this at your your contractor site. We just need a deliverable. You know, basically, we don't care how it gets done. We just know we want these type of people or this type of process and we want a deliverable at the end of the day. We can really that's where um, our profit margin can sometimes um, be upward toward 75 percent because of the way that we pay, um, because we pay a flat rate for work like that. So I look at, is this work considered on-site full-time equivalents, or is it work that can be completed off-site? I also look to see, um, try to, I have a a subscription where I can go online and see if there's any kind of archival information. And sometimes by doing that, I'll be able to, to determine what the previous contract award was, how many people bid on it. And that type of um, business intelligence will also help too, because then I can make a decision if it's worth actually going after. Mm -hmm. So those are several of the steps that we take. Got it. And you know, you got me thinking about war dogs a little bit earlier. Is there, was there ever a time where you took on a contract that you weren't able to fulfill? Oh man. So, Okay. I, we've have fulfilled everything. There I don't was, want to bring any bad PR here. I just, no, want to- no, 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 you're good. No, this is perfect. This is a very valid question. There was one, there have been two situations where like 
the agency didn't want to go forward. So, so here's what I mean. So for one of the agencies, they hired us to provide training and we provided the training, but the person who was in charge of the training, like her and I didn't really connect. Like, and I, at that time was, did not have the client relation skills that I have today. So I didn't do what I needed to do. So as a result of that, we didn't provide any more training to that agency because they were just like, we don't, we don't need this anymore, which is fine because I don't like to provide services where a client isn't really interested in doing it, that it's a check the box. Mm-hmm. And then a, another client, the, the main stakeholder left the agency in the middle of the contract. So she left and we finished the main effort, but there was this piece of work where mm, basically there was someone that they wanted to provide this training and the because that person left the agency they were no longer there to really advocate for that person um so that part of the contract just wasn't executed but we've never been in a position like in war dogs where they just straight up said like you're done you know <laughs> you, <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. not doing what you're supposed to do yeah we've never had that happen we we just had those kind of um the two situations i described got it you know so while there's i mean some amazing stuff going on i'm sure there's definitely some setbacks and some some uh you know, problems that you guys face, what are, what are some of those, you know, main problems that you do face on a day-to-day basis? And how do you personally, you know, whether it be, um, exercise or meditation, whatever, how do you personally handle them in terms of keeping your emotions in check? Wow. You know, <laughs> but you just past- took a deep breath right there. That's that I'm sure that's a tactic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, taking a deep breath is helpful because I mean, like the March, the month, Last month was really one of the worst. I think it was like the worst month in my entire life. And I wish I could say like, oh, I exercised and took deep breaths and meditated. I mean, I ate a lot. I mean, I I worked out, but I also ate a lot of cookies. So for me, um, the biggest situations are personal one, just whatever's personally going on in my life. Um, because I'm a very caring, giving, nurturing person. Um, and then number two is, of course, K Parks Consulting and my other businesses. So there's always a fire that'll pop up. Thankfully, um, my amazing director of getting things done, Lori Davis, is like the master of running the businesses day to day. But there's always something. So there could be somebody has two credit cards, somebody lost a credit card, somebody's car got broken into while working on an inspection, somebody got COVID, somebody's significant other got COVID. We got a request for someone to pay. We have to garnish wages for child support when in reality we didn't have to. And then somebody filed a false unemployment claim in the state of Ohio. And it was somebody who never worked for us in their entire life. So there's always a lot of those type of situations, not so much like we don't really run into any situations of two employees bickering or that kind of stuff. It's more of 
falsified um, unemployment claims, COVID-related situations, things that just happen because we have a huge contract with the FDA where we inspect all vape shops in America. And so things happen, like cars getting broken into. Um, so a lot of that can be really, really stressful, especially with the false unemployment claims. I've never had that happen in the 13 years. So I, I mean, I guess I was due for that. I don't know. Um, and so how I handle all of it, um, besides eating cookies, I do exercise. I exercise six times a week, uh, minimum, sometimes seven. Um, I set lots of fitness goals. I also um, talk to lots of friends and family to talk things through. Um, I pray a lot. I listen to a lot of audiobooks, and I'm really focused on um, Think and Grow Rich right now. And just as much as possible, really focus on being positive. But, you know, don't get me wrong. There are those moments where I'm mad and I'm pissed and I'm like, you know, I tell my trainer, we're going to have the box today because I'm just have feel, a gr- <laughs> I feel <laughs> like I'm just going to beat somebody up. Right, I mean, right. it happens, you know, because it's stressful. What does Kizzy's life look like 10 years from now, personally and professionally? Oh, gosh. Okay. Can I please have a good man in my life? Okay. That's like number one. I, so got, ten- I got Antonio right here for you. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Antonio's like, oh my gosh, it's a good dating segment. So I like totally, <laughs> I need like, like, you know, having a man would be great. Um, so, okay. 10 years. Let's see. Okay. 10 years from now, I'm definitely going to be like a crypto multimillionaire. That's number one. I will, I, I definitely will have kids by then. I mean, yeah, I definitely have kids. It would be cool to have like a nice man in my life, but I know professionally I definitely will be all in with my foundation, which in essence, my life goal or goals um, involve providing um, knowledge, inspiration, motivation to to young people around being an entrepreneur, building wealth. Um, and, and I really, I just, I hope that's what I'm doing. It's just a lot of that. Whatever the medium is, um, that's what I hope I'm doing. That's amazing. You know, usually it's, it's about the why, not really about what the vehicle is. You know, the, once you re- figure out why, then, you know, the vehicle will come to you, um, which is really cool. I, I want to talk a little bit about, can you shed just very, uh, very briefly, what, what cryptos you're in? We, you know, we don't talk about crypto whatsoever on this podcast. We would definitely want to hear a little bit about what you got going on there. Okay. So I've gotten a little crazy on crypto. Like I want to do it full time, but okay. That aside, cause clearly I've lost my mind. Um, but I have been a fan of Dogecoin for a while. So I have Doge. I have, um, Bitcoin. I'm looking at my portfolio, Ethereum. I have Ren. I have, um, leash. I have, um, safe moon. I have a billion of safe moon. I also, um, what else? Uh, if I didn't say Ethereum, I've Ethereum. Yeah. That's funny enough. As of (laughs) May 4th, 2021, I sold my Dogecoin for 14,000% profit. Congratulations. I got lucky. 
you know, I hit the lottery ticket, which is good. You know, you don't, you don't hit many of those in your life. So I'm definitely going to savor that one. Um, pays for my new office to get renovated. So that's always cool. <laughs> that's super cool. Uh, yeah, it was just, you know, I, I bought a bunch of stocks because I'm, uh, you know, uh, Landon and I do financial planning and uh, I'm very into stocks. I, I'm a I'm a buy and hold guy, but I had $100 left over in my Robin Hood and I'm like, oh, what, what's this doggy coin thing? Like what, whatever this is, I'm just going to throw a hundred bucks in it. And I almost sold it just because like it wasn't doing anything. I was like, ah, whatever. Like I don't need my money in there. And then I was, I was like, I don't need a hundred dollars either. So let me just leave it there just in case it runs up. Um, and it did. It most definitely did run up. And it's still running as we as we're speaking today, which is really cool. You know, crypto is something that it's it's a lot of hype right now. Um, there's like this constant cycle of you know people taking profits from the market, putting into crypto. People taking profits from crypto, put into the market. So it's just like they're creating this inverse relationship now, which crypto was actually meant to be that hedge against what's going on in the market. So it might be balancing out, but I'm not going to pretend to know everything about it at all. I know I'm I'm totally there with you. I know so little. Um, I like reached out to get a crypto tutor (laughs) Um, because it's because it's just so much like I also invested in a coin. um, It's called Africa coin. And so I'm just like, okay, I got to figure this out and I need to know what I'm doing because just because I'm doing well with Doge does not mean that I have any idea of what I'm doing whatsoever. And so, um, yeah, but I find it fascinating. I, 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 I don't know if it's that psychologist in me, but I find like all the different coin communities so different and unique. And I don't know, it's, 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 it's invigorating. Well, also, as I mean, as someone who has a doctor in psychology, the, the fact that, you know, you're, you're witnessing human behavior at a, such a rapid pace, you know, all this, you know, FOMO and the hype and all this stuff that's driving these things like Dogecoin doesn't really have like an intrinsic value besides the fact that we give it value, um, which is, it's cool in a oh. sense. Uh, but you're also right to, you know, seek out mentorship in that because most people just use their Instagram and Twitter to get investment advice. So, you know, that you, you have a much higher edge on than 99% of the people in this space. No, thank you for that. I, I really appreciate it. Cause you know, while many have said like, go to YouTube, I'm like, okay, I can go to YouTube, but just because somebody put a YouTube video up, doesn't mean that they even know what they're doing. Somebody could have just pieced things together and it makes them sound like an expert. So yeah, the the tutor I found so far so good um, out the gate. He gave me like four YouTube videos to read, two books to buy, and <laughs> I'm like I haven't even paid for the first session. <laughs> well, I, you got to let us know how that is. Um, I will. You know, usually, this is you know we're around the thirty minute mark here, and this is usually where we wrap it up. Before we do, I know you briefly spoke about you hold the Guinness World Record to something. I want to hear what it is. Yes, it is. Okay, most skips of a rope while wearing flip flops in 60 seconds. What? That's <laughs> wild. How many? 182. 182 singular skips, not double unders or anything like that. Correct. Wow. Is that is that just because no one's ever attempted it before or was that a record you had to beat? The record was 70. Oh, you destroyed it. I destroyed the record 
And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I think it averages to almost like or three, three jumps a second or something. Wow. Something. I'm a pretty avid jumper. I'm going to, I'm going to have to go put on my flip-flops after this and <laughs> I'm going to take you up on that challenge. I don't know if I could get 180, but we'll see. Yeah, you should definitely try. I mean, it's in, in it, oh, it's like the flat flip-flops, like, like the convenience store gas station flip-flops. Yeah. Like the, the toe thongs and everything, right? Yes, yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I don't wear those slide things. I get, I get a lot of heat for not wearing them, but I'm, I'm sticking to my principles here. <laughs> I think that's um, a good approach. Stick to the principles. Can, can I use a speed rope? Is that okay? Uh, let's see. Um, it depends. I would have. I don't. I, I say why not? I mean, my rope wasn't a speed rope necessarily. It was just this like plastic rope I've had forever. Got it. Got it. All right. Well, I'll keep you updated on it. Um, okay. You know, like I was saying though, this is about the the time where we wrap it up. What is something that you want to leave our guests with? You know, a thirty second little soundbite of anything you know it could be a motivational quote or just something that you want to leave of value yeah i always say everything is possible and and i firmly believe it and i experience it and i it's just something i just am so passionate about and see every single second of my life and i just leave with everyone that everything really is possible if there's something in your life that you want to do or you want to achieve that there's no reason you can't at least try you know, you have to think of all of the accomplishments that we've done as human beings and why can't you be the next person to achieve and break a record or start a new business or leave a job you hate or just try something new. So I leave everyone with everything is possible and and also thank you for listening too. Absolutely. And if you do listen to this podcast, you do have that, you know, or you're at least developing that mindset. So, you know, take action. Just go out and fail. Who cares? What, what, what do you have to prove to anyone besides yourself? So, you know, you're a lot more ahead of the game if you try something and fail than if you didn't. So, um, you know, that's a great point, Kizzy. Thank you so much. How, before we wrap up, how, how can we follow you? How can our guests follow you via social media and uh, get involved in KPC? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you can check me out on LinkedIn. It's like Kizzy Lightbulb parks i'm on linkedin uh kizzy m is in marie parks on instagram on tiktok i'm on facebook but i'm pre predominantly on linkedin and instagram and just reach out to me reach out to me in the dms i'll respond to you i promise i'm nice this is how i am all the time i would love to connect hear your thoughts help you any way i can be of help awesome well i i just followed you on instagram just saw this the video of you jump roping I don't know. If, I don't know. I, I got some work to do. Man, this is impressive. <laughs> well, Kizzy, thank you so much. It was a pleasure connecting and we are really excited to see all the stuff you got going. Okay. Well, thank you so much. It's a pleasure being here. Have a great day. You too. Hey. What's up, sir? Mr. 75 Hard? What's up? How we doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm good. Bringing the energy today after a relatively low energy day. Um, you know, like I said in the, the beginning of this podcast, I did the quote from Tim Grover. Felt like I lost the last couple of days, but how do I respond? Respond with more energy. The, the best I can do is show up for this podcast and give all my energy to it. Just completed 75 Hard, so that's a win right there. I was gonna say, let's talk about it, man. I, I've uh, 
I, everybody's sick of hearing me talk about it. I want to hear you talk about it. You, you, you've been talking about this stuff for a year. You influenced me to do it, obviously through Andy Frisella and and the whole movement. But talk about your experience from from start to finish, man. It was a journey. It was so when we first started, I I did not intend to start when I did. Out of nowhere, my boy Vinny, who I've been you know kind of helping out, he's I mean he's a beast. He's a, he's owned a business his entire life living he's at 41 he's been retired probably for the last five ten years now um but he was going through a little bit of a rut and you know within that rut he's trying to figure out you know what am i doing with my life what's the next step you know his habits weren't the greatest and so i introduced him to 75 hard out of nowhere one day i get a text with a picture of a water jug and he goes today we're fucking starting i was like what it's like one o'clock p.m i still gotta get two workouts in i still gotta get a whole gallon of water in and i was like you know what today we're fucking starting and so that's that's how we started, man. That was it was amazing how we just you know got up and it's a tribute. I'm really glad that is exactly how we started because most people when they hear about 75 hard, they're like, oh, you know, I'm gonna do it in like two weeks when I'm ready or like after my birthday. It's like no, motherfucker, start now, start today. If you're listening to this, start right now and figure it out later. What did you? What was the first thing you did after you you finished? The first thing I did after I finished, it's a good question. Um, I think I worked out. <laughs> um, I actually think I, I went for like a, a long run, like I awarded myself with that. Um, and then that weekend, um, I went to Boston with some friends. I, um, I pigged out a little bit. Um, didn't eat any really good food, to be honest. Wasn't really happy about it. My body felt like shit eating all that food. The craziest thing in my life happened, though. I got to say the odds of this is a minimum one in a trillion. Um, I'm at Fenway Park uh, to watch the Red Sox play. And I look to my left and there's this, you know, this group of people that are, that are right next to me. So I'm conversing with them. Find out that they're from Missouri. So Missouri, a light bulb pops up. I'm like, oh, Andy Fursell is from Missouri. You know, let me ask them a little bit. And I'm like, oh, do you know Andy Fursell? He's like, yeah, I know Andy Fursell. Um, You know, I just finished 75 hard yesterday. And I was like, what? Like I just finished 75 hard yesterday. And then it was so insane. The fact that two people in the entire world got set, set next to each other at a Boston Red Sox game, two people that didn't even live in the state of Massachusetts. I almost said the state of Boston. Um, <laughs> I mean, th- th- it was the, the odds were incredible, man. And we bonded. I'm going to have him a part of the, uh, you know, the special documentary that I'm doing. That's a, a little tease as to what's to come. Not going to divulge too much into it, but there's some massive things in the work that I think Andy Frisell is going to be really happy about. Yeah, you invested some dough in there too, huh? Yeah, I did invest some dough, and my return on go. investment is going to be immeasurable. I tell you, it's been cool to watch you go through it, and you know, you're somebody who like you're pretty active on social. You're pretty active on you know every platform, but uh, you you kind of flew under the radar with this one, and I and that was kind of my challenge to you. Yep, not I, my you know. challenge was accepted. You didn't even know that I was on it for a little bit. There were there was a couple of weeks that would go by, and I, you know, I and then I'd think of you, and I'd call you or text you, and ask how it was going or what day you were on, and then and then fast forward to last, I guess it was last Thursday, and I was like, yo, so what's going on? How, how's seventy five hard going? And you're like, yeah, tomorrow's my last day. You know, mm-hmm. so it's it's been cool to to watch the timeline. It's a, it's a quick it's a quick two and a half months. It's not a you know, people think it's an eternity, but it's really not that not that bad. Um, it fucking sucks, though. It does. It's not easy. Um, you have to say no to so many things. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you realize you didn't get another workout in. You got to do that. So there's a lot of things that go into it. 
But if you do it and you do it right, um, you will get, you know, it will earn dividends big time. And then, you know, live hard program. You got a year to finish it. Step September 1st, we start phase one. Yeah. And, um, you know, we're right back at it. I, the next day I was already, you know, looking for my water to start drinking because it's the habits are built in, you know, mm-hmm. it's not like these go away. You're a changed person after this and you have discipline and life is different for you. You realize how much you were willing to compromise with your non-negotiables and, you know, it's a lifestyle that I'm, you know, accustomed to at this point, as I'm sure you feel the same. I got respect for you though, for doing this during the summertime, man. Cause I, I started mine January through March. So those are like the, you know, everybody's kind of tucked away in their own little corners doing a little bit of nothing. You know what I mean? A lot, a lot mm-hmm. of nothing actually. You, you, you fought through, you know, early summer, thick of summer, 4th of July, all the holidays and, and travels and trips and everything. And you fought through all that stuff, which is just purposefully, you know, purposefully. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because I, 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 it kills me when people like, you know, they're like, oh, I, and especially with you too, last year, when I talked to you about it, you're like, you know, I mean, I think I could do it, but like, you know, the no drinking thing would really be, you know, kind of the detriment. And that's your bitch mm-hmm. voice talking, as Andy would say, that's totally your yeah. bitch voice talking. That's your self-talk. Um, for crazy enough, I was just listening to the podcast with Andy Frisella and Ben Newman, who we've had on, which is amazing. Like it, it still baffles me that we had Ben Newman on this podcast as early as we did, because he right. is a rock star, dude. He is a fucking rock star. Um, and you know, Ben's talking about, it's just like, you know, it's, it's your bitch voice. It is literally your bitch voice. Any excuse that you make to yourself or any type of questioning like oh can i eat this or should that if you're questioning it you're kind of already lost um what's the you alternative don't know what's you gotta about. you gotta you gotta talk about the alternative you're gonna talk about that the bitch voice yeah the boss voice right and so you know you can't you can't go about life thinking that your bitch voice isn't gonna ever come out we all get it like do i want to skip my workouts every day yes do i want to sleep in and hit the snooze button every day yes do i do it sometimes yeah um we're human but more times than not, you got to get up and just have your boss voice talk to yourself and be like, not today, not today, bitch voice. And then the next day, not today. And then those days compound and you realize, you know, you look back and you're like, oh shit, all the times I said, not today. Now look what I've built for myself. And you feel, you know, the foundation you built for yourself is so, so amazing. I got to say though, man, I enjoy, I enjoy a nice ice cold beer on the beach, a nice margarita every now and then I've had a fucking blast this summer. So Good for you, I'm, no, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for you. And, I was and, excited for a beer. I didn't even enjoy it. I didn't even yeah. enjoy it. But even that being said, like you don't, it just, you prove to your, it's, it's cool to prove to yourself that you don't need alcohol or, or anything like that to enjoy yourself and have a good time. Don't get me, don't get it twisted. I don't, you know, that's not how I look at it. Like I didn't have a, a awesome summer just because I could drink and hang out, but I'd be lying if I said it hasn't enhanced my experience just a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, but on the other side of the coin, I've had such a fucking blast this summer too. That's all. And, that's what it's about, man. Yeah, you know, and I haven't drank and I haven't drunk any anything. Um, I think it's about the energy that you bring to each day, and seventy five hard realizes that. You know, if you come in with a solid mindset and a goal to win the day, those days compound, and you look back and you 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 can genuinely say that you're proud of yourself because you did something, you did something, and then like. You'll also start to notice the people that are so willing to be ex- like, you know, create excuses for themselves. It's, uh, it's almost pathetic. It's borderline pathetic. And then, mm. you know, um, I'm going to just call him out. Uh, I don't, I, I think he actually does listen to this podcast. My boy, Mike, uh, Mike Cadenese, 
Um, great kid. Amazing. Entrepreneur doing big time things. He was like, oh yeah, I'm on day 14 of uh, 75 hard. And so we go out to lunch. I order a salad. He orders a pizza. And I'm like, yo, what do you mean? Like, you said you're on 75 hard. He's like, oh yeah, of course I am. I'm on 75 hard. I've been eating pizza the whole time. I'm like, what? Like you do know, he's like, oh, pizza is like not a part of it. I'm like, it says you have to follow a diet. He's like, oh, but like I am following a diet. I'm like, the only fucking diet that allows pizza is the fucking pizza diet. Well, I mean, it, you can be on a carb-based diet. Like there's guys out there, fitness guys, not to be like devil's advocate on here, but like there's guys out there that like basically build their whole diet around being able to eat what you want. I don't know if you've been marketed to by those guys, but like- it, that's if, if, if it's your macros type of thing, yes. But pizza is not acceptable on 75 hard. Pizza <laughs> is not- it's I, not. It's not. It, well, I mean, it, the whole the whole point of the whole, and not to like speak for Andy or his program, but he literally says pick a diet and like just stick to it. I don't. I mean, it, it doesn't sound like it doesn't sound like your boy Mike had any intention with what he was doing. But at the same he's, time, he's like not a bodybuilder. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, at the same time, like if you if you set your guardrails up and you say like and you say, look, I, you know, I am not going to eat X, Y, Z. I'm only going to eat these types of foods. And you stick to that. It's the discipline of sticking to those, you know, and staying inside those guardrails that matters. I, I'm not speaking for Mike. I know for myself, I wasn't going to eat. I didn't eat anything outside that one to 8 PM window. I stuck to that, but you know, I, anything inside of that window, I, I cut out, I cut out soda. I cut out any desserts, ice cream, all that shit. Um, but I, but I could eat real, relatively what I wanted inside that window. Um, that was just, those are the guardrails that I set up. And that was after I read the book, obviously. So I had already known. It's so like, I don't know. I'm playing a little devil's advocate, but if, pizza, if there's attention to it. Pizza is not a part of 75 hard. So, so Tony's 75 <laughs> hard, Tony's 75 hard is anti-pizza. No, every 75 hard is no pizza. <laughs> I will literally take that to the grave. We're, we're going to, Andy Frisella, I'm, I'm manifesting this, mark it down. I will be. <laughs> on Andy Frisella's podcast, and I will ask him that question on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll just be uh, not on the podcast fucking myself, right? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> you will be on the podcast as well. We will be on Andy Frisella's podcast. I apologize. Just bust your um, balls. And Andy will be on our podcast as well. Yeah, and, and lastly, I, I know we've chatted a, a, a shit ton about 75 Hard, and I and I hope it's not annoying to everybody listening. Like this has been a life changing experience for for Antonio and I. Like it's legitimately changed our lives in a, in a lot of ways, and it shows you what you're capable of doing. The crazy part is, we constantly see people posting the before and after pictures, and there's no doubt about it that it's impressive to see that the before and after. Like I look at my before and after picture, and it's noticeable. When I show people, they go, "Holy shit, dude!" And I've never been like a you know considered like an overweight guy. I've always been considered pretty pretty fit. But I was getting to a point you couldn't really see it underneath a shirt. I looked like I still had it together, but you see the before and after on mine, and it's like I'm cut. I tone you're you're shredded I, from even just a year ago to now. You're shredded up. But the point I'm I'm getting to is the before and after pictures that that shit is like it's cool to look at and cool to see where you've come from but like that's not even the real value like notice guys we've we've spent 15 minutes or 10 minutes talking about the program and the before and after picture and how you physically look isn't even wasn't even talked about because like the, the true the value fifth benefit yeah it's literally last on the list it's just the it's just like the icing on the cake you know what well, i mean well it's so funny it's so funny ben ben and andy actually talk about that in their in their interview and basically ben's like you know, you see this before and after picture and it's fucking crazy. Like you're like, holy crap. Andy just got jacked. But all I'd want to do is to take a peek inside of his brain. 
Right. If his body looks that way, I could only imagine what his freaking brain, did, what happened to his brain. And that mind blew me. It's like, yeah, I mean, true. It's so true. Like Andy Versella has been doing 75 hard, live hard. He has been doing the live hard program every year, every single year. And, and then he committed to say every single year till the day he dies, he will do live hard. And I almost wow. want to commit to that. Um, I don't think it's that hard, bro. I don't think it's that hard. It's really not that, that insane to say it's, it's five months out of the year of staying disciplined. Um, you know, aren't you supposed to stay disciplined 12 months out of the year? I think so. Right. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm also a hardo though. I'm definitely a hardo. No, I, I hear you. And I, I know before we hopped on here, we were talking about burnout, talking about, you know, going a million miles an hour and, and you were kind of, you were kind of not feeling sorry for yourself by any means, just kind of in a place of saying like, damn, like I'm, I'm a little flat right now. I think I'm a little burned out. And I said, well, yeah, but like, think about it. Like you got to know, you got to know when the stove's too hot and when, and when you got to pull your hand off, but until you burn yourself out, you don't really know what your limits are. You know what I mean? You're so right. and I really like, I appreciated you say that because I, yeah. I ran myself into the ground and I know exactly, you know, which gear I have to dial back. And it comes in with my scheduling. It comes down to creating non-negotiable time for myself and my family and my puppy, um, you know, time to eat. Like I'm scheduling meetings when I'm supposed to be eating lunch. Like that shit just can't happen long-term. It's not okay. Um, so I have to schedule out the time for myself. At the end of the day, my business has to run revolve around my life. My life shouldn't revolve around my business. And that's the, the, like, the recipe for long-term sustainable happiness as well as business growth. Because if you invest a lot of time into your personal growth, your business is going to grow. If all you do is invest your time into business growth, you're going to lack on the personal growth side. You're going to get burnt out. You're not going to feel good. And you're going to look like me today, literally ripping his hair out. going. Arr, arr. That was me all day. I, was, I felt like I was a little bitch. My bitch voice was talking to me. I had to take a, my first midday nap in freaking months, probably over a year now. Oh man. Anything else you want to wrap up before we, uh, any, anything else you want to say before we wrap up? Sorry. No, I mean, we're at 16 minutes and 40 seconds, so I got a lot of editing to do. So, um, anyways, I'm good. I'm good on my end. All right, guys. Well, we love you. Thank you for the consistent listeners. I'm really, you know, very interested to see who's continuously watching. There's a lot of big things in the work. It just takes some time to roll it out, but there is strategy going behind all of the stuff that's going on. So I promise you in due time, big things will be happening. So I love you guys. Hope you enjoyed the interview. And uh, Landon, thanks for always being you, brother. Much love, guys. Peace. for tuning in to the learn lead podcast where you get to own your life stay tuned for our future guests coming soon make sure to like and subscribe